Hi, this is Kendall Boyson, professional life and recovery coach, and you're listening to Encouragementology, the practice of instilling hope. Hi there. Thanks for joining me. On this show, we are setting aside our all or nothing thinking, taking a second, maybe even a third look as we strive to see the in-between, somewhere between this and that. Before you accept it for what you think it is, formulate a strong opinion and develop your truth. Take another look. Open your mind to alternative ideas. Accept that quite possibly you don't have all the answers and embrace something new. See, one door can be the beginning, but it's never the end. One door leads to the next, and then the next, and then another as you expand your thinking. The journey is the fun part, and once you have enlightenment, well then, repack, find a new direction, and set out for uncharted territory. Old dogs can't learn new tricks is a myth. Your mind, soul, and spirit are craving exploration. Let's go. First, let me take a poll. How many of you identify with this type of thinking? Do you have a hot or cold mentality, up or down, yes or no, and not much in between? I always say I have two speeds, full on throttle or off. But how much are we missing in the in between? Could there be varying shades of everything or black and white are only two options? I for one don't wanna get stuck in my ways, narrow my view or limit my possibilities. You too? Well then, let's set out to explore these unknown lands of the in-between. Dr. Katharina Starr shares how to overcome all-or-nothing thinking found at verywellmind.com. All-or-nothing thinking is a negative thinking pattern common in people with panic disorders, depression, or other anxiety-related issues. Also known as dichotomous thinking or black-and-white thinking, This is a type of cognitive distortion that involves thinking in extremes and using absolute terms like never or ever. Here's an explanation of what it is and ways to overcome this common cognitive distortion. When thinking in all or nothing terms, you split your views into extremes. Everything from your view of yourself to your life experiences is divided in black and white terms. This leaves room for little, if any, gray area in between. This type of faulty thinking can also include an inability to see the alternatives in a situation or solutions to a problem. For people with anxiety and depression, this often means only seeing the downside to any given situation. People who fall victim to all-or-nothing thinking believe that they're either successful or a complete failure in life. People with panic disorders are often susceptible to this type of thinking. If you have frequent panic attacks, you may view yourself as unworthy or inadequate because of your condition. You may also overlook how valuable you are in other roles, like being a friend, a good employee, or a respectable parent. It can be helpful to look at some examples of all-or-nothing thinking to learn more about how it works. So here are some hypothetical situations where an individual engages in all-or-nothing thinking and how it affects their mood, motivation, and behavior. 
Roger decided to face his anxiety and ask a woman out on a date. He left her a voicemail message. A few days go by and Roger hasn't heard back from her. He thinks, I'm a total loser with nothing to offer. No one wants to go out with me. I'll never find the right person, so why bother? He starts to feel nervous and upset, and he considers a future alone. Elaine was diagnosed with the panic disorder agoraphobia about seven years ago. Since then, she sought out psychotherapy, regularly takes her prescribed antidepressant, and frequently practices self-care. Elaine's symptoms have greatly improved, and she feels ready to go to a concert with a friend, a situation that has caused her fearful avoidance in the past. When Elaine arrives at the concert, she begins to experience physical symptoms of panic and anxiety. She tries a deep breathing technique, but still has a panic attack. Elaine leaves her concert early, telling herself that she will never overcome her condition and that she lets her nervousness ruin every situation. In both these examples, people see the situation in absolute terms. In Roger's case, it affects his confidence and ability to engage in a relationship. In Elaine's situation, it impairs her ability to manage symptoms of her anxiety condition. All-or-nothing thinking can have various effects. Like other cognitive distortions, it can have a serious impact on emotions and mood. All-or-nothing thinking can also be very unrealistic, which can contribute to excessively high standards that are impossible to meet. As a result, people avoid often pursuing goals because they don't think the results will match their expectations. They might think, I can't do this perfectly, so I won't do it at all. Also, all-or-nothing thinking can contribute to poor perception of yourself. If you always think thoughts like, I can never do anything right. It's difficult to see yourself in a positive light. This can lead to low confidence and a lack of self-esteem. Seeing things in extremes can also contribute to feelings of hopelessness. If you can only see the negatives in a situation, you might feel that there's nothing that can be done to change the situation. Cognitive distortions such as all-or-nothing thinking, can contribute to an increased risk for anxiety and depression. One study also found that such thinking is connected to increases in suicidal thinking. All-or-nothing thinking can play a part in the onset and maintenance of eating disorders, personality disorders, post-traumatic stress disorder, and substance abuse disorder. The problem with all-or-nothing thinking is that there's no middle ground because people think only in extremes. In order to overcome all-or-nothing thinking, it's important to avoid thinking in negative, absolute terms. So here are some strategies that can help. One way to change it is to replace negative, self-defeating thoughts with more realistic ones. This involves considering the alternatives and thinking about alternative explanations. Cognitive reframing is a strategy that involves changing how you think about a situation. Changing your perspective can alter how you think, feel, and behave. To do this, start noticing when you engage in all-or-nothing thinking. After identifying this type of thinking, challenge your thoughts. Are they true? Are there any other explanations? 
finally, replace that thought with one that's more positive and realistic. An important part of cognitive reframing involves actively challenging your negative thoughts. Accepting your thoughts as truth skews your perspective and can lead to poor interpretations of different situations. Some things you can do to challenge your thoughts include practicing mindfulness, which involves focusing fully on the present moment, talking to yourself the same way you would talk to a friend, showing yourself compassion and kindness, cultivating gratitude, focusing on the positive, and getting social support. When you can only see one side of any situation, it can help to seek out the support of trusted friends and family. A support network may be able to assist you in finding solutions and thinking beyond absolute terms. While self-help strategies can be helpful in combating all-or-nothing thinking, you may also want to consider talking to a mental health professional. A therapist can help you identify triggers that contribute to this type of thinking and practice new coping strategies that can reduce negative thinking. So some do's are to recognize strengths. Understand that setbacks happen and find the positive in situations. Some don'ts, don't focus on faults or dwell on self-defeating thoughts or use unconditional terms like never or nothing. All or nothing thinking can make it hard to see the middle ground. If you tend to engage in this type of cognitive distortion, there are steps you can take to change. Identifying your negative thoughts and challenging them are important steps. Once you recognize this type of thinking, you'll be better able to replace dichotomous thoughts with more realistic ones. It's easy to let negative thoughts live deep inside, unchecked, where you think no one can see them. But guess what? You wear those thoughts on the outside. It's in what you say, what you do, and how you act. Have you ever met a really confident person? How did you come to the understanding that they were really confident? Was it in what they said or how they acted? Or just who they were? Sometimes the biggest and the boldest are the most insecure, trying to drown out all the self-doubt and negative self-talk. It's essential to find a close friend or confidant you can share some of these inside thoughts with. When you get them out in the open to analyze them, you can start to understand their origin and work on reframing them. You don't have to struggle in silence with this type of thinking. Let's shine a light on other ways of thinking that may not be serving us well. Rebecca Joyce Stanborough answers the broader question, what are cognitive distortions and how can you change these thinking patterns? Found at healthline.com. Cognitive distortions involve negative thinking patterns that aren't based on fact or reality. You can help change these thinking patterns to promote your mental well-being. Have you ever said, I have the worst luck in the entire world. I just failed that math test. I'm no good at school and I might as well quit anyway. She's late. It's raining. She's hydroplaned her car and she's upside down in a ditch. These are all prime examples of cognitive distortions, thought patterns that cause people to view reality 
in an inaccurate and usually negative way. In short, they're habitual errors in thinking. When experiencing a cognitive distortion, the way that you interpret events is usually negatively biased. You know, most people experience cognitive distortions from time to time, but if they're reinforced often enough, they can increase anxiety, deepen depression, cause relationship difficulties, and lead to other complications. So where do they come from? Well, mental health professionals first described them in the late 1970s and early 1980s. Research from 2017 suggests that people may develop cognitive distortions to cope with adverse life events. The more prolonged and severe those adverse events are, the more likely it is that one or more cognitive distortions will form. Human beings might even have developed cognitive distortions as an evolutionary survival method. In other words, experiencing stress could cause you to adapt your thinking in useful ways for immediate survival. But these thoughts often aren't rational or healthy long-term. So researchers have identified at least 10 common distorted thinking patterns. Polarized thinking. Sometimes called all or nothing or black and white thinking, this distortion occurs when people habitually think in extremes without considering all the possible facts in any given situation. When you're convinced that you're either destined for success or doomed for failure, that the people in your life are either angelic or evil, you're probably engaging in polarized thinking. This kind of distortion is unrealistic and often unhelpful because reality often exists between the two extremes. Overgeneralization. When people overgeneralize, they reach a conclusion about one event and then incorrectly apply that conclusion across the broad. In other words, you might assume that one negative event means every subsequent event thereafter will be negative too. For example, You score low on one math test and conclude that you're hopeless at math in general. You may have a negative experience in one relationship and then believe that you just aren't good at relationships. Overgeneralization has been associated with post-traumatic stress disorder and other anxiety disorders. Catastrophizing. This distorted thinking leads people to dread or assume the worst when faced with the unknown, despite a lack of evidence supporting such predictions. When people catastrophize, ordinary worries can quickly escalate. For instance, an unexpected check doesn't arrive in the mail. A person who catastrophizes may begin to fear it will never arrive and that, as a consequence, it won't be possible to pay their rent and the whole family will be evicted. It's easy to dismiss catastrophizing with a hysterical overreaction. Still, people who have developed this cognitive distortion may have experienced repeated adverse events like chronic pain or childhood trauma, so often that they fear the worst in many situations. Personalization. One of the most common errors in thinking is taking things personally when they're not connected to or caused by you at all. You may be engaging in personalization when you blame yourself from circumstances that aren't your fault or are beyond your control. Another example is when you incorrectly assume 
that you've been intentionally excluded or targeted. Personalization has been associated with heightened anxiety and depression. Mind reading. When people assume that they know what others are thinking, they're resorting to mind reading. With this cognitive delusion, you may also assume that others are thinking negative thoughts about you. It can be hard to distinguish between mind reading and empathy, the ability to perceive and understand what others may be feeling. To tell the difference between the two, it might be helpful to consider all the evidence, not just the evidence that confirms your suspicions or beliefs. At least one study found that mind reading is more common among children than adolescents or adults and is associated with anxiety. Mental filtering. This distortive thought pattern involves the tendency to ignore positives and focus exclusively on negatives. This is known as mental filtering. Interpreting circumstances using a negative mental filter is inaccurate and can also worsen anxiety and depression symptoms. Researchers have found that having a negative perspective of yourself and your future can cause feelings of hopelessness. These thoughts may become extreme enough to trigger suicidal thoughts. Discounting the positive. Like mental filters, discounting the positive involves a negative bias in thinking. As some suggest, discounting the positive essentially means that you either dismiss or ignore positive events. People who tend to discount the positive don't ignore or overlook something positive. Instead, they explain it away as a fluke or sheer luck. Instead of acknowledging that a good outcome results from skill, smart choices, or determination, they assume that good results must be an accident. When people believe they have no control over their circumstances, it can reduce motivation and cultivate the sense of learned helplessness. When people find themselves thinking in terms of what should and ought to be said or done, it's possible that a cognitive distortion is at work. It's rarely helpful to chastise yourself with what you should be able to do in a given situation. Should and ought statements are often used by the thinker to take on a negative view of their life. These types of thoughts are often rooted in internalized family or cultural expectations that might not be appropriate for an individual. Such thoughts can diminish your self-esteem and raise anxiety levels. Emotional reasoning. Emotional reasoning refers to the false beliefs that your emotions are the truth and that the way you feel about a situation is a reliable indicator of reality. While it's important to listen to, validate, and express emotion, it's equally important to judge reality based on rational evidence. Researchers have found that emotional reasoning is a common cognitive distortion. It's a pattern of thinking used by people with and without anxiety or depression. Labeling. Labeling is a cognitive distortion in which people classify themselves in a negative way following an undesirable event. For example, they might reduce themselves or other people to a single, usually negative characteristic or descriptor, like failure. 
When people label, they define themselves and others based on a single event or behavior. Labeling can cause people to berate themselves. It can also cause the thinker to misunderstand or underestimate others. This misconception can cause problems between people. The good news is that cognitive distortions can be corrected over time. So here are some steps you can take if you want to change thought patterns that may not be helpful. Identify the troublesome thought. When you realize a thought is causing anxiety or dampening your mood, a good first step is to figure out what kind of distortive thinking is taking place. To better understand how your thoughts affect your emotions and behavior, you may want to consider reading Feeling Good, The New Mood Therapy by clinical psychologist Dr. David Burns. This book is considered by many to be the definitive work on this subject. Try reframing the situation. Look for shades of gray, alternative explanations, objective evidence, and positive interpretations to expand your thinking. You might find it helpful to write down your original thought, followed by three or four alternative interpretations. Perform a cost-benefit analysis. People usually repeat behaviors that deliver some benefit. You might find it helpful to analyze how your thought patterns have helped you cope in the past. Do they give you a sense of control in situations where you feel powerless? Do they allow you to avoid taking responsibility or taking necessary risks? You can also ask yourself what engaging in cognitive distortions cost you. Weighing the pros and cons of your thought patterns could motivate you to change them. Remember, cognitive distortions are habitual ways of thinking that are often inaccurate and negatively biased. Oh boy, my mind has been living its own worst life. How many of those did you identify with? Mind reading? Who knew? But it makes total sense. Have you ever heard the quote Eleanor Roosevelt so eloquently put it? You wouldn't worry so much about what others think of you if you realized how seldom they do. <laughs> but seriously, how often do you play out future conversations and thoughts in your mind? Future because they haven't happened yet and likely never will. But we have the whole drama unfolding in our heads, arming us and getting us ready, I guess. How many of your thoughts end with the facts? Hmm. How often do you ask questions and invite in other perspectives? You know, I used to skip over ideas that weren't in alignment with my own. Whoa, sheltered much? Let me ask you, how confident are you in your own thoughts and beliefs? I'm not talking about your morals, so put your hands down. I'm talking about ideas and opinions. 100%? If not, I would say you have room to explore these topics further, wouldn't you? Eric S. Burden answers why a difference in perspective can help you understand yourself on Medium.com. Did you know there are over 7.5 billion people in the world today, and every one of us thinks in a different way? Sure, there are people that have similar viewpoints, it's why we're able to gather around particular causes, but at the core, we do things for different reasons. That lesson being that we need to appreciate the difference in perspectives and therefore people. 
In fact, by embracing these differences, we can better learn ourselves in ways we can't imagine on our own. Perspective is how we see the world. It's our own reality. It's unique to ours and ours alone. But is our reality the only one that exists? Absolutely not. Every person has their own realities. Whether it's job positions or people in general, these positions and perspectives are based on our reality. From there, we see things differently. As a leader or as an individual, it's widely important to see things in different lights. By doing that, we add a deeper layer of understanding of ourselves and others. It's easy for people to see at times why managers or politicians do certain things that make no sense. Some people feel that these people are out to get them. They complain about change or something else when change comes. The truth is that those complainers could very well lack perspective. Eric is not saying that all politicians are saints and all managers are good given the right circumstances. However, their actions shouldn't be based solely on one perspective, the general public or employees respectively. In order to see things in a different light, there are a few skills we need to develop. Perspective taking and perspective seeking. Perspective taking is seeing things from various viewpoints. In essence, we need to learn to get into other people's shoes and see things from their side. With perspective seeking, it's a lot more than walking in someone's shoes. Perspective seeking is basically looking at things objectively rather than picking a side. It's having an open mind and a willingness to learn what someone is going through. But it's through this cat-like curiosity and willingness to see things in different lights that skills can be used in many different ways. Furthermore, by having an open mind to people's perspectives, you can enrich your life by discovering other things about your life and reality. I encourage other people to start living in that way as it encourages us to be both perspective-taking and perspective-seeking. When we have a broad mind and attempt to understand both sides of the coin, we can grow. There will always be two sides to every story. So take both in and try to understand objectively. You know, I'm a huge fan of groups, support groups or meetup groups, anywhere where you can get a group of people together where sharing and learning is the number one mission. If you set the right tone and expectation, you can see some magical things happen through connections. Consider starting a group in your area. Just find a small group of five to 10 people who want to connect. You can start with a topic, food for thought, an activity, or just some good snacks and delicious coffee. Then open up the floor and let it happen. What is it? Who knows? But be open to finding out. Before we call it a wrap and take these ideas into practice, let's learn a little more on the subject to solidify our learning. Well, over on the Lewis Psychology YouTube channel, I found more information about all or nothing thinking. So let's take a listen.
All or nothing thinking is a negative thinking pattern that's common in people with depression or anxiety. In this video, I'll explain what it is, how it makes common mental health issues worse, and share several ways to overcome it. All or nothing thinking is a cognitive distortion, which is an irrational thought pattern that can cause you to perceive reality in extremes. For example, Helen is a straight-A mathematics student and receives a B grade in her latest exam. Helen concludes, I'm a total failure. Or we can look at Malcolm, who has recently asked a woman out on a date. He left her a voicemail message last week and still hasn't heard back from her. Malcolm concludes, I'm a total loser and I will never find the right person. Both Helen and Malcolm are thinking in extreme black and white terms with no shades of grey. They believe they are either good or bad, right or wrong, a success or a complete failure. Thinking in this way can reinforce issues such as anxiety, depression and low self-esteem. Now, the problem here is that when you are depressed or anxious, you may not even recognise that you're experiencing a cognitive distortion. You probably believe your thoughts, which can cause you to feel more anxious or depressed. So what can you do about all or nothing thinking? The first step is to notice how you're thinking. Look out for extreme words such as always and never, which lead directly to all or nothing thinking. For example, I always mess things up. I always lose. I'm never going to get a job. I'll never find someone that loves me. Catching yourself using all or nothing language takes some practice because thinking this way can be so automatic. When you notice all or nothing thinking, it might be useful to say to yourself, that's all or nothing thinking. Now, labelling your thinking in this way can create a sense of separation from your thoughts. Step two, look for the shades of grey. For example, Matt believes he is a total failure because he hasn't got a job. He is looking at himself in only two categories, success or failure, which makes him feel depressed and want to give up. It would be really helpful if Matt could look for the shades of grey. He might do this by asking a series of questions such as, is there another point of view? Am I paying attention to only one aspect of the situation? Am I making assumptions? What would I say to a friend who told me something similar? These questions encourage Matt to evaluate his thoughts and construct a healthy and balanced view of reality. They enable him to identify the shades of grey within his situation. Step three, name the emotion. Instead of saying, I'm a complete failure, it would be more realistic and helpful to say, I feel anxious about my career. Or I feel anxious that I may not be able to pay my bills on time. Identifying emotions keeps you grounded in reality. It also gives you the opportunity to problem solve. Step four, use the word and. So instead of saying I'm a bad person, you might say I have a lot of great qualities and sometimes I make mistakes. Instead of saying the interview was a total disaster, you might say I answered some questions well and some questions not so well. 
This avoids absolute black and white language. As you can see, it's not just about positive thinking. You're not trying to convince yourself that everything is fine. It's actually about gaining a healthy perspective. And that involves acknowledging strengths and weaknesses. Step five, thoughts are not facts. Just because you think something doesn't mean it's true. Did you know the brain actually has a bias to think negatively? It's called the negativity bias. In order to survive, our ancestors were continuously scanning their surroundings for threats. From an evolutionary perspective, it's understood the tendency to dwell on the negative is simply one way your brain tries to keep you safe. So the next time an unhelpful thought pops into your mind, you might try saying, thanks for that mind. Thanks for sharing. Remember, just because you think something doesn't mean it's true. Thoughts are not facts. Step six, practice self-compassion. All or nothing thinking tends to be very harsh and self-critical. Talking to yourself in this way can actually trigger your threat system and activate your fight or flight response. Fortunately, you can dampen the threat response by practicing self-compassion. This can involve talking to yourself as you would a close friend or practicing soothing exercises such as mindful breathing or mindful walking. One of my favorite self-soothing exercises is called soothing rhythm breathing. In this exercise, you are slowing down and deepening your breath to find a soothing breathing rhythm. This can actually change your physiology and stimulate your parasympathetic nervous system, which in turn can stabilize your thoughts and emotions. So I put a link to this exercise and other helpful exercises in the description below this video. You can find a link to this video in the show notes on my website, encouragementology.com. So as we wrap up, let's just remind ourselves of the different types of cognitive distortion. That all or nothing thinking, the polarized thinking, where we think it's either hot, cold, yes, no, black, white. Think about the times in your life where you've used that kind of thinking. Overgeneralization, everything, always, it's always bigger, the sky is falling. Catastrophizing, Always letting your mind go to the negative, careening off the road and into the ditch. The what ifs, constant what ifs to fill in those blanks. Personalization, where you take things personally. Everything hinges on something that you've done or thought. Mind reading, thinking you know what others are thinking, whether it's about their own thoughts and opinions or about you. Mental filtering, where we ignore the positives and only focus on the negative, where you take your day and you strip out all the good and only remember what went wrong. Discounting the positive, which is similar, but you know, always leading into the negative and instead discounting or ignoring and overlooking the positive attributes, either yourself or your day. Emotional reasoning. You know, believing false beliefs, not based in truth. Um, always allowing that to take seed in your mind, not using your judgment in reality. Labeling, 
you know, always labeling things that you do in your life. Either you're a success or you're a failure. You know, taking one event and letting that event label sort of your behavior. For instance, I talk a lot. Do I talk too much? Am I just a talker? Or in situations, do I just have good communication skills? So it's important when you're having this thought pattern to stop yourself, recognize it's happening, and then work to reframe it. I mentioned that book by Dr. David Burns, Feeling Good, The New Mood Therapy. This might help you dig into any one of these thought patterns. You can reframe. You can take a hold of your thinking. You have the power to make a difference in your own life. So let's do it. If you want to share encouragementology with a friend who needs to know they're not alone in this journey of self-discovery, you can visit encouragementology.com or anywhere you stream your content to receive this episode and all others. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram for additional encouragement throughout the week. So I challenge you, find the in-between of your all-or-nothing thinking as you open up your heart and mind to embrace the learning. Seek to understand by encouraging others to share their ideas and opinions. I know you can do it. Thank you for listening to Encouragementology with Kendall Boyson, where we find positive ways to handle some of life's challenges. Someone's through until the path was clear.